passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. What's the worst that could happen? Like, if I did the thing right now that I wasn't supposed to do? Does that even change my road to WrestleMania? I'm going to buy a ticket. Well, screw it. I challenge The Undertaker to a match at WrestleMania. So, so I was told that this was impossible, even though, even though the fan in me wants to see this, right? I was told it was impossible, and I just accepted it. I never asked why. Why is it so impossible? Because the, the WWE executives? Wait, no, 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 no. Because, because if they were to rain on a parade, they'd shut my microphone off right now, they'd escort me out, and just like Roman, I'd be suspended. So we're going to clear the air right now and try this again. I challenge The Undertaker to a match at WrestleMania. I challenge The Undertaker to a match at WrestleMania. I challenge The Undertaker to a match at WrestleMania. When Ryan when it's time to begin, it's on the rewind around with John Pollock and waiting. The A team that makes sense of these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's rewind around for Monday night, download a Tuesday morning from the post wrestling site. It's rewind around for Monday night on USA now on the John and Way take the mic. Hello, everybody, welcome to Rewind a Raw. I'm John Pollock, the, the older member. Of the post wrestling team, along with the youngster waiting. How are you, Way? From my elevated age of thirty four to your mere thirty three years oh, and wow. three hundred and what sixty? You're what thirty thirty three years and three hundred and sixty three days old, something like that. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, um. This is big. I, I am only older than you for five days out of each year, and I'm enjoying each one tremendously. All my wisdom that I have on top of you. I mean, you're technically five days older than me for, forever. But, um, yeah, but I, I feel once, once we're the same age, it's, it's so hard to kind of distinguish that fact. So I, I like right. it when there's a clear number differentiation between you by one digit. Well, I mean, I think I'm – but I'm the type that automatically jumps ahead to my next year, I would say – Probably like four months ahead. Like I already think of myself as thirty-four. And oh, when so I, your fi- your your fiscal year is ahead of your your birth year. Pretty much, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I see I'm, how it works. I'm already there. I'll probably be thirty-five in two months. It's a mindset for you. Yeah, of course. Well, how does it feel? You know, so, 
uh, it's it's just completely life altering. Um, this age, you know, I'm I'm one step closer to thirty five. Yeah, 30, I would say we're officially in our mid thirties. Yeah, I don't know if I've really. I feel I've really aged, or like I feel once I hit thirty, it's kind of all the same. That's what it's felt to me like. There's a, maybe decades you you feel different, like your twenties, your thirties, your forties, and so on. Hmm. But I I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know yet either. I'm not really. Have sure. we had this discussion before about it? If we didn't acknowledge people's ages, we just viewed people as they were. I don't know. I kind of weird. I'm like not, it's, it's kind of weird that we associate each, each other with these these numbers that identify us and then comes all these associations you have. Well, like they're not just, t- they're not just numbers. They're there are timestamps. How long we've been um I guess out in the open. Uh they are, but then we have weird things like when you're when you're a certain age you're you're allowed to uh intake uh, a certain liquid when you are this age you can hold a gun when you're this age you must retire it's kind of weird isn't it not really is this too, is, is this too deep for the beginning of the week on a monday night i don't i don't think so i don't think it's weird how else would you i had I, I had some complaints from people that we did not discuss our weekend more on sunday night we just dove right into things well how else Left would people you, wanting how else would you enforce Rules such as those, without well, that, ages. that that's a larger philosophical question: is why are these enforced? Like, I understand you have to come up with a certain line in the sand of when you can do things and when you can't. But what is the the philosophy behind this? I mean, I am I am no more equipped at eighteen years in one day versus seventeen years and three hundred sixty four days to be uh, aware of my political surroundings that I deserve to have a voice when a election comes. Yeah, that's, that might be the case, but it's still probably the best option, you know, for it to draw that line. How else would you do it otherwise? I disagree. I think the voting age should be younger, to be honest. I I think that it has a large effect. So many policies, uh, 15, I would go 15. But again, that goes back to what you're saying. Why 15? Yeah, and again, I'm generalizing. There are completely competent 12-year-olds, and there are morons that are 18 years old. There's morons that are 34 years old. Yeah. So, I mean, you can't, you can't, um, you can't rule stupid. I mean, you can't uh, just make arbitrary rulings because there's going to be people outside of all of your your preconceived notions. Yeah, we have to make arbitrary rulings because there'd be no other way. Otherwise, anarchy, that's the answer. Hmm. Let the people rule the people. How are you? I'm doing okay. Yeah, I'm doing not bad. Um, have we decided on what we are going to review on Friday for our Patreon, Patreon page? Well, let's go through what we have coming up this week. On Tuesday night, it is Rewind to Smackdown, which is going to be our third consecutive night of shows. And I would think by the end of Tuesday night, as I said on Sunday, we should pretty much have everything in place for WrestleMania. I think uh, it looks like the Shane McMahon match will be announced Tuesday night. And that's pretty much everything. That's all the key stuff will be out there. And then we're going to be back uh, later this week. uh, Brian Mann and Nate Milton actually have Keep It 2000 coming out on Thursday, where they are reviewing, if I'm not mistaken, the June 26th, 2000 episode of Monday Nitro. 
And then Friday, it is Patreon Day for all of our members of the Post Wrestling Cafe. And, Way, what has been decided upon? We received a lot of uh, responses, actually, from people giving us their very good suggestions. Uh, everything ranging from a number of shows, like wrestling events, to movies, to uh, top Stan, Stan Hansen and his champion carnival run. Yeah, uh, all of which I think would make for very interesting reviews. Uh, but I think for John and myself, we are we're we're, we're basically we want to we wanted to find something that we could watch uh, in the midst of this week, which was a sort of a bu- busy week for us. And um, as a result, I mean, I felt bad even asking John to do this, but this was something that I had uh, interest in anyway, and something that I wanted to watch that doesn't necessarily relate to pro wrestling but in many ways it does and that is the suggestion of uh i want to give him him credit but i'll tell you what 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 it is it is icarus the oscar winning uh best documentary for 2018 uh and of course this is a netflix documentary about the russian anti-doping scandal that uh, I guess Actually, the, the Russian doping scandal. There is no anti-doping scandal. There is not an outrage <laughs> of clean clean athletes. That's in right. this in this film. My it's mistake. Brian Fogel, by the way. He's the filmmaker that is the subject of his uh, documentary. Which for filmmakers out there, I mean, the key to having a successful documentary is you turn the camera around on yourself. It's the Michael Moore rule, mm-hmm. and that's how it works. And Brian Fogel uh, just unlocks this insane program going on in russia so uh oh it sounds like you've already seen this uh, yes i one weekend i watched this and then i was so intrigued by it i listened to an entire joe rogan interview with brian fogel so i'm kicking myself now again the rule of never enjoy something just for your pure entertainment always take notes about everything oh, when already- i go to the movie theater for now on i'm going to take a, a notepad with me because i never know what i might have to one day Go back and rewatch. Wow, you've already watched this. Okay, well then this should be easy for you. Why are you complaining? Well, I got to rewatch it now. I don't. I don't have any. Well, you could skim through it. You already have thoughts about it. Uh, no, these are old thoughts about them. I, I just I, I watched it and then I discarded it from my my memory. Well, I only I have felt, so much I, space up here. Way I felt bad because I thought I was going to add two hours to John's already very full week, but it turns well, out... well, you you are adding two hours, but that's fine. We had to add something. Okay. Well, uh, yes, that's what we'll be reviewing this coming Friday for Patreon members at the Post Wrestling Cafe. And then uh, we will see if there will be... Yeah, keep it tuned. Postwrestling.com. That's where you can go for all your shows. And postwrestlingcafe.com, where I want to thank all of our our members out there. We had a a very successful week, so I want to thank all the people out there uh, for supporting the cause that is post-wrestling, which uh, uh, a prominent... A uh, sports broadcaster in Canada commented to me recently saying it's a it's a part of his everyday uh, browsing coming to our site. Oh, OK. Well, yes. uh, yeah. By the way, uh, that, that was the suggestion of Adam, who uh, who who actually says he ran into me on the oh. street a week ago. Adam from the street. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> so, so thanks, Adam, for that suggestion. OK, well, uh, if you're interested in. In uh, blood doping and athletes on an insane program, uh, believe me, there are ties to the worlds of mixed martial arts and pro wrestling in this particular film that I think you'll 
you will enjoy if you happen to watch this. And it's pretty easy to access on Netflix. So that will be coming up Friday. Tonight we've got Raw. Um, before we start, Wade, was there anything you did want to get off your chest from this past weekend? Can you shine a light into anything going on? You and I had our, our annual birthday party on Friday. That was a lot of fun. A lot of people showed up. Yes, that was uh, that was a main thing. Not much else. How about you? Um, it, it wasn't a big moment of my weekend, but I had recorded the unauthorized story of Beverly Hills 90210, which aired on ABC Spark. And these made-for-TV unauthorized stories of popular 90s shows are my kryptonite. When I see these on the schedule, I tape them. And then when I go to sit down and watch them, I cannot stop until I'm done. One sitting, I watch two hours of 90210, the unauthorized story. And this thing was just, man, the whole two-hour movie was pretty much bashing Shannon Doherty as this awful human being. Well, it sounds like we should have reviewed that instead. Wow. I would have I would have spent hours talking about 90210, and I would have done it in a heartbeat. Uh, but this was... Like, the whole show is built around the first four seasons where Shannon Doherty is impossible to work with. She's late for shooting, and it all builds up to the, the season where she leaves the show where they explained it on the series of her going to study acting in London, uh, which had to be some kind of a joke that here is uh, our way of getting rid of her is to go study acting. But the the counter argument was the fact that she was so good at delivering her lines and the writers liked her. She was the Brock Lesnar of 90210. It was the same storyline. Interesting. Wow. Yeah, and the rest of the locker room just thought that she was given preferential treatment and she was uh she was Darren Star's boy. Hmm. Like Vince McMahon's boy. Well, I was never much of a 90210 fan, but um I'm oh, glad how we're... I'm glad you watched that. That that sounds like a nice thing. All right. Well, it's time to get into Raw. WrestleMania season upon us. We are just uh, we're under a month now away from WrestleMania. And uh, I think Way just carved out our road to WrestleMania today. So well done. You've done a much better job getting us there than John Cena has. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. The, road, the road to WrestleMania involves some, some very awkward flights as we go through the, the ozone layer to WrestleMania and then many different stops along the way. Oh, yeah, yeah. It'll be a pretty long um, week. Um, but we're gonna we're gonna film it all. No, I don't even I don't even think we'll do that. Are you? Can are we, we? Can can we talk about our flight coming home on the Monday? Sure. <laughs> this this is going to be. I am I am preemptively announcing it's going to be the worst rewind to raw in history. Possibly, yeah. Sure. I I don't know how I'm going to make it. We have a five thirty a.m. flight. Is that the flight we have coming home on Monday? Yes. So that means we have to be at the airport significantly earlier than that, which we all know how long WrestleMania will go. And then we have to do a show afterwards. So we're essentially going to record a show probably in a car somewhere as we're trying to get out of that madhouse and then uh, make our way to the airport of which we will take two flights home. Uh, We're probably going to get, we're probably going to go like just chill at a Starbucks or something. I don't think we'll have time way. 
Well, going leaving the arena, um, well, it depends when we leave the arena, but I think by the time we leave the arena, it'll probably be like 12 or 1. And I, I think WrestleMania will go till at least 1130. Okay. Well, I mean, after recording, I think we'll, I mean, we're waiting for the crowd to dissipate. I feel like we'll, pro- we'll probably be, we'll be there until, right, whatever. Why are we even talking about all this? But, because this um, is what, this is, we're making up for last night, way. We're giving right. the people what they want. Well, I mean, we'll have to find some a place to upload the show to, first of all. Edit, whatever. And then by the time that's all done, we'll grab a bite, and then I think it'll be time to get to the airport. We have one thing going for us. It is central time in New Orleans, so we do have an hour. It is They are an hour behind us in the eastern time zone. Right, okay. So, that so means- if WrestleMania goes till 11.30, that's really 10.30 for real time in New Orleans. Um. Sure. Okay, if you think so. How long is the show going to be? Isn't it going to be like a seven-hour show? Well, it starts at, I guess. uh, Doors are 4.30. Doors are 4.30. Is that Eastern time? I don't think so. I think that'll be Central. Oh, God. Now I'm confused. Because the pre-show will be 5 p.m. Eastern time. I think they're an hour behind. Which is 4 p.m. Central time. They're an hour behind. Yeah, the the doors can't be at 4.30. I don't know. Because th- they're sure. on the air before that. Well, we should probably talk about this off air. No, I think we should navigate all of this. Anyway, that's next month, folks. Get ready. Raw on Monday night took place in the Eastern Time Zone in Detroit, Michigan at Little Caesars Arena, where we had uh, quite a lot promoted ahead of time and very little of that delivered upon. Kurt Angle starts the show. He's excited. He's excited to compete at WrestleMania with Ronda Rousey. He almost feels sorry for what Ronda's going to do to Stephanie, but he's not sorry about what he's going to do to Triple H. And he was just told that Brock Lesnar will not be here tonight. It might have been transportation issues, he says. It may be that he's not feeling well, or he simply just did not show up. This prompted Roman Reigns to come out. And he repeats that Lesnar doesn't respect this company or the fans. And Lesnar didn't show up for work today or last week. So what are the repercussions, Kurt? And Reigns knows there's not going to be any because Brock is Vince's boy. And he asks Detroit what would happen if they didn't show up for work. So the WWE seeing this this blue-collar town of auto workers here in Detroit, they're trying to make Roman one of them here, a guy that just shows up for work. And Romans, what were you going to say? Well, I'm saying I think they, they're doing a good job of that. Well, Roman says that if it was Kurt not showing up, they would fire him. And the same for him and anyone else in the locker room. And the best case is they'd receive a large fine. And the worst case is they would not be able to feed their children. Rain says the real problem is Vince McMahon, who didn't have the courtesy to even tell Roman that Lesnar wasn't showing up tonight. He travels all over the world for Vince McMahon, and he will not be disrespected by him. And Roman storms backstage to the gorilla position, and there is Vince on his headset next to Shane to give you the impression that you're seeing something you shouldn't. And that's how we go to commercial, with Vince literally saying, go to commercial. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I thought it was quite quite interesting how they're now deciding to promote things such as a face-to-face a week ahead only to take it away uh, so that they can blame it on Brock Lesnar refusing to come to work. Uh, I think that's very manipulative. 
But I also think, I mean, that's in the end what wrestling is. It's manipulation and it's a bit of a disservice to the live audience. But I think ultimately it serves your goals very well. Uh, I felt like... Is this is this heat on Lesnar, though, or is this heat on the company? Like, if I was someone that had bought a ticket, I think I would be upset at the company as opposed to Brock. Because, I mean, this segment to me, it was... This was much more transparent than the promo of a couple of weeks ago with Roman that I think had a, a much more of a level of authenticity than this one. Yeah. Um, it's and up- I, I don't even know what the answer is, but I think that there is... I don't know how any fan would be on the sitting on the sidelines next week in Dallas contemplating buying a ticket or not and would have faith in this company that Brock will be there next week. I think that it's completely uh, – now it's on the, the buyer that why would I buy a ticket expecting to get what's advertised, which is kind of a weird territory to be going into, but one that the WWE has certainly done in the past but tries to be pretty um, upfront with who is going to be there, at least for the live crowd. Yeah, if I was paying a ticket, perhaps I would start to become upset at the company. But I, 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 I mean, I think in 2018, I consider this type of move kind of fair game. You know, if in the end you're trying to tell the story of a guy who refuses to uh, listen to the company and and just decides not to come to work to say screw you to the fans, I feel like doing something like this is really the perfect thing to do. And I. I definitely do think it's risky, but at the same time, I think it works. You know, I think they're heating up Brock. They're making him a, a big heel without he, him even being there. And at the same time, the the bigger a heel uh, Brock is, the, the more of a babyface Roman is uh, in, in return. So I, I would say it certainly is daring. And, uh, you know, if you're risking the audience, perhaps at some point, maybe cluing in on it and turning on it. But I would say for the most part, it's it's really working. I don't know. I think it's a pretty savvy audience that is aware of Brock's contract being up that I think views this as a as a storyline. I think I don't think anyone's really believing this is Brock legitimately not showing up. So Yeah, of course not. But I, look at the reaction. Uh it's a belie- it's either way it's it's believable. Yeah, it's obviously it's all written. But you can buy into it. To me, what they keyed into that was better for the direction that they want is associating Brock as Vince McMahon's guy. Because as we go back, the most success they had with Roman Reigns during the big singles push when they had all that negativity was when they got Vince McMahon involved. And it led to them being in the same arena in Philadelphia where he was booed out of the Royal Rumble, where he ends up winning the title on that night and speared Vince, and it was Roman working off of Vince that really got him across as a babyface that I think making Brock kind of uh, Vince McMahon is attached to him, I think that that seems to be the the other element to this that they're going with, that Brock is Vince's guy, and that's their hope of of making a giving a negative uh, reaction for Brock is because he is Vince McMahon's guy. But I find that almost t- tougher to believe too, because we all know Brock isn't Vince's, or Vince isn't Brock isn't Vince's guy. We know Roman is Vince's guy in reality. So them trying to sell the idea that Vince favors Brock is to me just more of a storyline thing. Like it's more like they're saying, 
you know, Brock doesn't have to come to work. Why don't you punish him? Why doesn't he get suspended? Yet Roman, you know, likes to will we'll call Vince out and then Roman gets suspended for doing something like that. It's it's an altered kind of uh, exaggerated, but also twisted form of, I think, what exists in real life. So it's it's all fantasy, but I, I, I would say it's all fair game in, in trying to tell that story. Given all the lengths they're going to, do you really believe that Roman is not going to be heavily booed at WrestleMania? Like, do you believe in this mirage that they are going to get the scene they want at WrestleMania uh, with the lengths that they are going to here to the extent of blatant false advertising? I think Roman will definitely still get booed from a very vocal audience. But I, I also think that there's a chance that both of them will get booed. I mean, I also don't feel like yeah, Brock might still get cheered, but I, 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 because I feel like all these UFC rumors are very believable. They could be very true. Um, there will, I mean, you, you basically run the risk of both of them getting a negative reaction, but it won't be as one-sided as it would have been without this story. Now, on top of this, you had no Ronda Rousey on this show either, mm-hmm. and. Last week, there was a story that ran on WWE.com stating Ronda would be on every episode of Raw through WrestleMania. And one person in the company noted to me that the WWE website ran with this story, and it sounds like it was a case of the left hand not knowing what the right was doing. And I cannot possibly understand how that happens, that a story like that ran, but it looks like that was not something that they were planning to have Ronda at every Raw leading up to WrestleMania. And hence, she wasn't on this show either, which I think that that kind of puts Ronda in this weird situation because the same person told me Ronda is all in here. Like she is taking this super seriously. And yet she's kind of being positioned in the same way Brock is in Brock's storyline. Yeah. Yeah, that is risky. Well, I mean, the idea is that Brock chose not to be here, whereas perhaps the what we're supposed to assume as fans is that Ronda was not told to be here. Yeah, it just sounds like it was some weird screw up with like just a communication issue and the website ran this story. But like they were like on the website, she's listed on the advertising for these episodes of Raw. Now, unlike Brock, who has all these dates that are lined up, I would imagine if the WWE changed their mind tomorrow and wanted Ronda on the next episode of Raw, I think Ronda would have no issue uh, appearing and doing whatever is asked of her. But uh, nonetheless, I think that that was kind of compounded here that if you were a fan in Detroit and bought a ticket based on the WWE's advertising, you would have been leaving this arena, I think, disappointed in what you thought you would be seeing based on what the company had told you. Very likely. We come back from Vince McMahon's mandated commercial break, and Renee is outside of Vince's office. And she says that things were a little heated, but they have since settled down. And then Reigns comes out, storms out of the office, and he won't speak to Renee. And then Vince walks out to state that Brock is not my boy. And he's not anyone's boy. He's his own man. And he has no intention of disrespecting Roman. And he reminded Roman of a lesson that The Rock used to give. Know your role and shut your mouth. And Brock does have some privileges. He doesn't like people. He probably doesn't respect the fans. 
but he does respect competition in the ring or the octagon. And he has earned some privileges, and sometimes talent does take advantage of those privileges. But he says Brock Lesnar will be here next week. He will compete at WrestleMania. And Vince says that you have my word that Lesnar will be here next week, which was kind of funny given the whole story of tonight's show. And Reigns has been temporarily suspended. So on top of that, folks, you you poor ticket buyers in Detroit, you're also not getting uh, the number one push star on this show either because Roman's gone. Yeah, right. <laughs> like this was, I felt bad for some of these Detroit fans. Like unless they were just buying a ticket to just have a good time and they're cool with whatever was thrown at them. Like this was, this was definitely a bait and switch episode of Raw if there ever was one. I think they'll all be. I mean, I'm not so sure that we'll see Brock next week either. I, I don't see how you could possibly um, have confidence that they're going to be delivering any of these segments with Lesnar and yeah. Roman that they're promoting. Again, I'm not buying tickets to these shows, so perhaps I'd, I'd personally not as uh, offended by them doing all this. But as a viewer, I mean, I, I get kind of excited that they're willing to take these risks now and trying to tell a story. I, I feel like these are things that uh, traditionally... Any promoter is told never to do. Well, there was, I mean, in commission states, I mean, they prohibit this kind of stuff Mm -hmm. for this very reason, that it is manipulative to the public that you are promising something you have no intention of delivering. Yeah. Like, it's it's illegal in some places to do this. Yeah. And for good reason. Like, it's just, it's complete manipulation of your audience. Mm -hmm. You're taking money. Yeah. But again, like, do I hate it? I don't hate it. Like, again, I'm not paying a t- uh, money to, to go see see these these stars. Um, will they get a slap on the wrist from from their fans? I'm not even so sure. I mean, they won't. You're right. It, I mean, it's a great point. I mean, there will be no um, kind of uh, of an audience backlash from this at all. Mm. They will return to Detroit in six months, and they will draw the exact same amount. I mean, that's kind of. Where you're at. I'd be very surprised to hear from anyone in Detroit if they were, if they left upset over any of this. I think it's offensive if you strictly do that for like one big buy rate or one big, you know, house uh, with no real purpose. But there's a purpose to this uh, misdirection. And that's to tell your bigger story at WrestleMania. We went to our first match of the night. It was Sonya Deville against Sasha Banks. Absolution was in Sonya's corner. And for whatever reason, Bailey came out in Sasha's corner. I think they explained that it was Bailey's way of um, making up for uh, Sasha coming out to save her last week. Ba- Bailey feeling obligated obligated that she needs, needed to owe Sasha something. Well, Banks tossed Sonya to the floor. They went through a commercial, and then Sonya was in control. Banks hit, as Corey described it, a glancing blow with this knee that hardly connected with Sonya from the apron. Bailey then pulled Mandy Rose off the apron. Banks used the backstabber and bank statement to submit Sonya. And Bailey just storms to the back rather than congratulating Sasha. And Sasha just stares at her from the ring. So uh, very, very minimal uh, with this feud and any kind of focus on it on this show. Well, the idea was that Bailey felt like she did her part. Now they're square, and now she can go back to being pissed off at Sasha because she provided a service for her for this match. Um, you know, it's, a, it's definitely a slower burn this week. Uh, with three weeks left after this one, I have to assume that they'll be ramping it up 
probably in yeah, probably next week, I would think. Are you still confident these two are going to get their singles match at WrestleMania? It, the fact that they're spending this much TV time on it, yes, I, I am confident. I think they're big enough stars. I think you need uh, another women's match in there besides the, the two title matches. And uh, I guess the question is whether or not this this makes it onto the kickoff. It's possible. This was also a notable victory because not only did Sasha beat Sonya Deville, but she beat Sonya with Sonya's hair up. Oh, damn. Was this the first time? She's lost before, hasn't she? Uh, she has, but I mean, it's just, it's that much more impressive when her hair is up because hmm. she's ready to square up. Yeah, it's like her demon. Absolution cornered Sasha in the ring, but Bailey's hightailed it. So Rose and Deville attacked while Paige directed them, and, and Sasha was just left for dead. Then we had um, probably Kevin Dunn's finest moment as. <laughs> an employee of the WWE. It was the announcement that Kid Rock is going into the WWE Hall of Fame, and you owe it to yourself. If you are one of those people that simply listens to our show because you can't get through Raw every week, you have to track down this video. You would think that the Pope is going into this WWE Hall of Fame. This was a video package that was on the level of your biggest main event Hall of Fame inductees. This guy was treated as... God himself, Kid Rock, coming down from the heavens for one night in New Orleans to accept this award. As they talked about his massive contributions to the WWE over the last two decades, he contributed many songs to the WWE. And this is a real quote, but it was American Badass in 2000 that changed the course of WWE history. He has conquered the worlds of rap rock, country, and WWE. This was, this was like three and a half minutes of Kid Rock adulation. And we come out of this video, and Michael Cole asks the question we're all thinking. How does Kid Rock feel about his induction? Well, just see for yourself. And on Instagram, he posted, after nearly two decades with WWE, I'm honored to enter their Hall of Fame. This was, they honestly put more into this video than any of the inductees this year so far. Yeah. I would, if, if you showed me these videos too, and I'd never watched wrestling in my life, and you said, who is the headliner? Be like, the dude that changed the course of history with American Badass, Kid Rock. He's got to be headlining this. Yeah. Yeah. God, like their love of this man knows no bounds. Oh, it's their love of celebrities in general. They're just so obsessed with anybody who, who is who has a modicum of success on the outside. Uh, it, it does look really ridiculous. A video like this, the fact that th- that somebody like this is even in the Hall of Fame. But I mean, when you look at the celebrity wing, like it really does expose what a sham this whole thing is. Yeah, I mean, I don't really care about that stuff, but it, it was more just amazing to me, like just the the level they put into to this announcement. Like this to me is like this guy is feels like this is their big get for the Hall of Fame is Kid Rock. Well I saw this and I thought perhaps he'll be involved in some Elias segment at with at WrestleMania. Possible. 
Yeah, I mean, I it, like maybe he's gonna do. I I could see him doing that song live if he's doing the theme for WrestleMania. That he'll he'll be on the show in some capacity. Yeah. Uh. Well, I certainly think like an Elias moment at WrestleMania needs to occur, and something with Kid Rock would kind of make sense. Um. Who do you and think Aiden in English? Ooh, interesting. Who the do you think? In, who do you think inducts Kid Rock? It won't be the Undertaker. Oh, I was going to say, like, maybe Kevin Dunn is calling in his favor this year. It's like, hey, yeah. hey, Taker, we need you. <laughs> um, yeah, oh, I, I really have no idea. I mean, who – I don't really have someone that – maybe Kevin Dunn will do it. Uncle Cracker. Oh, could you imagine? There you go. That would be phenomenal. Yeah, his former um, DJ. Miz TV was next. He stated that he's going to clear the final hurdle at WrestleMania to establish himself as the greatest intercontinental champion of all time. Brought out Seth, brought out Finn Balor. Miz says that he and Rollins are the workhorses of the WWE, and we could have burned it down at WrestleMania. And Miz says that Balor is the man in bingo halls. Which and bingo hall? I don't know which bingo hall that he, uh, he competed at. Maybe that was a veiled reference to the garage. The garage. Do they have bingo over, over there? Do they do bingo like in Japan and in and, and the UK? I, I would think that bingo is a, a universal game mm. out there. I don't know. Mm. Um, he says that Balor's resume is lacking in the WWE, but he did win the universal title. Oh, yeah. And he's trying to play Balor and Rollins off of each other. They all see through what Miz's games are. Rollins cannot be trusted, Miz says, bringing up the shield breakup. Rollins says he's taking the title. Balor doesn't stand a chance. And Balor asks, well, what happened the last time we had a title match? I beat you with one arm. And they don't have to wait four weeks. And they had to stare down. Miz smiles. And then they go and attack Miz. And then Rollins levels Balor. And it would set up a singles match for later on in the show. Yeah, I thought I thought the Miz did a good job pulling the, the segment together. I think Seth and Finn are fine. But I feel both of their deliveries quite forced and they're scripting a little juvenile. You know, like telling Miz to just shut up. Uh, not things that I, I envision that he would say in real life. Um, so I certainly felt like Miz was the one who shined here. But in the match, it'll obviously be the others. Yeah, I don't know what to make of this match. Like, I feel it's going to be there. Maybe it'll be, maybe I, I'm going into this one with lower expectations and it could very well over deliver. I guess I'm just not, I don't find it all that inspiring of a match. Like this to me is like the epitome of just, we need, we need programs for all these three guys. So we're just going to throw them together. I would say it's a decent mid tier match. You know? It is. It's, it is. And I mean, I, I thought about yesterday how the demon or, or the Miz had to, has to win to keep the streak going, but he really doesn't because this streak is not a, it's a cumulative streak. It's not a, a consecutive streak. So he could, Oh lose yeah. The belt to the demon, if the demon, you know, happens, but it really should be for Finn. Finn should kind of get his big moment this year. Then we had the bar take on Bo Dallas and Curtis Axel. But before the match began, Dallas and Axel attacked them from behind during their entrance. The bar fought back until the revival ran in. Then Anderson and Gallows ran down. Titus Worldwide, Rhino and Heath Slater, the entire Raw tag division. Everyone's fighting. There was a big Rhino champ because they were in Detroit. And the bar escaped, and they were overwhelmed here by the tag division. 
attacking the champions. Anything of note in the, the in the segment for you? Way not really. Just that was it. Then uh, the 9 p.m. hour hit, and out came John Cena. After his latest loss, he just brushed it off his shoulders, and out he came. And he says he's finally found his road to WrestleMania. He's had many opportunities. He's tried his hardest, but he didn't get the job done. The crowd starts chanting Undertaker, and Cena goes, I hope they're listening, and says he will not contribute to WrestleMania this year. He will just be there as a fan. And the crowd just booed this, as in not a person here believed this. It's like, you guys might have falsely advertised Brock Lesnar, but we are not buying this too. Then There were, there were a number of people saying yes. Uh, I think that they were... Like, well, yeah, they certainly didn't believe it either. But they were chanting yes as if they were happy that Cena was not going to be a part of it. So the premise is that John is going to buy a ticket to WrestleMania. So he's kind of show, showing their hand that the ticket's still available. <laughs> he runs into the crowd to act out his fandom and decided to kick it with Sasquatch, as he said. He took a sip of this man's beer and then maybe the most aggravating John Cena moment in, in quite some time. He starts chanting, this is awesome. And this was this was channel changing. Uh, frustration to to watch this segment here. Then he said, let's go Roman and was booed. So there you go, folks. There is your case study. And then he goes back into the ring and says, we got to just get this out of our system because it won't happen at WrestleMania. And he starts a let's go Cena. Cena sucks chant. But then he decides to shoot way. He decides to go off script, folks. We're shooting now. He says, I'm going to do something I'm not supposed to do. What's the worst that could happen? Well, as Roman outlined, heavy fine, or worst case, you can't feed your your un, unborn children, John. So he says, screw it. And he challenges The Undertaker to a shoot fight at WrestleMania, and the place goes crazy. He was told this is impossible, but says, my mic has not been cut out to prove that it's not the WWE that is against this idea. There's one man preventing it. It's not Kevin Dunn. It's The Undertaker. And then Cena cuts a promo on The Undertaker, telling him to get over his own ego. And the difference between the two of them is that when John fails, he gets up, goes to work the next day with a smile on his face, and Taker hides his head in the sand, ashamed and embarrassed, which has literally been the angle many times to write the Undertaker off is his head being buried in sand. He calls Undertaker fragile, tells him to stop hiding behind lame excuses. You're not too old. You're not washed up or broken down or else you wouldn't be posting workout videos on your wife's Instagram. And somehow the audience like was was very taken aback by this comment. I mean, this really wasn't an insult. Um, I think the mere mention of somebody's wife's uh, Instagram. <laughs> it means that Cena's been creeping on Michelle McCool. That's what was implied here. Maybe, but I think especially when, it, what, as it relates to the Undertaker, this this very mythically pro, uh, protected character, the idea that he exposed that he, number one he has a wife, and number two that he she posts has photos of of himself on her Instagram was a bit of a shocking thing to say. Calls Taker a conceited egomaniac. And the only reason this match isn't happening is because of him. Pulls the fans about The Undertaker kicking his ass at WrestleMania. They all cheer. 
and the ball is in Taker's court, and it's time to see if you're still alive. And he says that if I was you, I would want one more match. Because last year sucked, and he walks <laughs> off. No, the last part he did not say. Uh, th- this was, uh, for all the, uh, the discussion of the early half of this, uh, this was the promo needed, and this was a great John Cena promo to set this match up, and that is, there's your match for WrestleMania. Yep, Cena did his job. Like, I think we all wondered how they would get to this point, whether it be Cena maybe complaining about how he has no way to WrestleMania, and then you you hear the gong, and it's Taker making the challenge. Instead, they went the route of Cena just basically ignoring, um, I guess, rules so and 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 challenging the undertaker instead this idea that they've established a rule or they've told cena not to challenge the undertaker um maybe that was a little bit wonky you know um it was kind of inconsistent with the story because as you go back to elimination chamber and i talked about that great raw talk segment the tone of that like they've essentially flipped roles here i mean here is cena saying when i lose i just pick myself up and i have a smile on my face well, after Elimination Chamber, he was down in the dumps. He was questioning if he has anything left. And now we've taken all those characteristics and placed them on The Undertaker. The Undertaker is the one doubting himself, and he's the one that is questioning his future. When a few weeks ago, that was John's storyline, that he mm-hmm. was questioning if he has anything left now as he's getting older. And he's got all these outside projects. Can he balance the two? Mm-hmm. And now it's John's on top of his game. He's fine. And it's Taker that's put into this kind of a strange role for the Undertaker character that's kind of this humanized egomaniac that is afraid of uh, of losing at WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. I-, I would say also the the fact that, like, Cena tried to make it seem like it was such a taboo thing for him to challenge the Undertaker and then going ahead and doing it and seeing no repercussions – that that all felt a little bit, um, I guess, uh, forced and a little bit rushed in in, in how they were. They just kind of introduced that and well, he just re- he just it. challenged him like three weeks ago on TV. He did the exact same thing. He did, and then he said, "What um, that match is? I've been told that match is impossible." He said right after that. Okay, and it took Cena three weeks to figure out. Well, screw it. I'll just. I don't know. It was it was okay. Like whatever. I you do have to fine. overlook a lot of logic in the way they got here, but I think every fan knew this was the direction, yeah. and they just want people to get to it. Exactly. In the end, none of it matters. Everyone just wants to see this match anyway. I mean, you you know, one year we had Taker just come out and look at a sign, and the crowd went nuts, and they could have very well just done that, and we would would have all been crazy anyway. Because oh uh, my god, you know what I've just envisioned? Yeah, what's that? The Undertaker's entrance at WrestleMania with the song that changed the course of history. That would be cool. but It's uh, not no. the dead man coming back. Well, do you think that's that's what we're going to see, though? Do you think the dead man is gone and we're going to see the biker Undertaker? Oh, Kid Rock playing him out? I mean, that would kind of make sense, you know? He did retire the trench coat last year. That's... You know what? It's It does tie into that last year, is that that yeah. Undertaker is gone... And he's coming back as Mean Mark. <laughs> oh my God! Yeah, Paul Paul Heyman's there. Yeah, <laughs> he's 
Mean Mark is you know, a guy who you know, posts photos. We're joking on. about this. I don't think it's crazy that Kid Rock plays uh, American Badass live oh, and Taker comes though. out on a bike. Why not? Because The Undertaker is known for his grand Undertaker entrance. And if you don't give people that, and if you give them Kid Rock instead, even though, I mean, I like American Badass. I thought that entrance was cool. But I think you're, at this point, half of The Undertaker's uh, appeal is simply that old school entrance. I don't, I don't know how you can do that after last year. Like, I think that's, I, I think that's really, that, I think that's really awful storytelling. It's very lazy, even Dude, though you've changed your mind from last this year. This whole thing is awful storytelling. He retired <laughs> last year and he's back, but look at the crowd reaction. We don't, we're, we, people don't care. Well, that was that segment. Uh, do you think we see the undertaker on TV before WrestleMania? I would say yes. Well, there's no sense in promoting him. Um. Yeah, not really. I guess maybe they should announce he's not going to be on TV until WrestleMania. So then that will be the tip-off. Get your tickets next week, Dallas. He's coming. <laughs> Kurt Angle's with the bar in his office. Cesaro says it was uncalled for what happened tonight. Kurt said that they wanted teams to step up, and they did. So Sheamus, he's been on the internet, and he's heard rumors of a superstar shakeup after WrestleMania, and they want to be traded. They don't feel safe here. And they mentioned the teams they could face off with on SmackDown, naming the Bludgeon Brothers, New Day, the Usos, Brizongo, and they're clearly not wanted here on Raw. Angle says he is not going to trade them. He's going to find them competition, and there will be a tag team battle royal on Raw tonight to determine who their challengers will be at WrestleMania. So no, uh, no inter... Promotional match for WrestleMania. No, but it also tells us that we're probably going to get that um, shakeup, superstar shakeup, uh, right after WrestleMania. Yep, I mean that was flat out stated here. They recap the Symphony of Destruction match from last week, and Elias is in the ring wearing a neck brace, and he starts to play when he says, "It's your fault," and he left the guitar on his stool, and now everyone's expecting Gene Snitsky to show up in the Andre Battle Royal for a spot with Elias. The camera tilts up on Braun Strowman backstage. Piano. Piano. Path of destruction. Get these hands. And that was our promo. He's going to carve out his own path to WrestleMania tonight. Mm. Yep. So, but, but gone is the selfie. They didn't even shoot this in selfie mode. This was a regular uh, HD, beautifully shot backstage vignette. But with the words. Seth Rollins and Finn Balor was next. Michael Cole informed us that Balor has a new hashtag he's floating around. Hashtag Balor Mania. Mm, that's pretty weak. Corey Graves doesn't know if anyone can compare to the momentum that Seth Rollins possesses right now. He has got the ball of, uh, of energy that surrounds his body at this moment. They go through the commercial. Rollins missed with a springboard knee. Balor hit an enziguri to Rollins on the turnbuckle. Rollins blocked the 1916. Both go down from strikes. And then Balor's on top. Rollins scales to the top, hits the superplex. But as he rolls through for the Falcon Arrow, Balor catches him with an inside cradle and pins Seth Rollins. And then the momentum floated up from Seth's body. And it was digested by Finn Balor. And you saw it go right into his sternum. And he started to orbit the ring and he he is going to fly to wrestlemania fueled by his momentum 
Yeah, it was very impressive. I I wanted some by the end of it. I thought a good match, good win for Finn. They gave the sense that these two are very evenly matched, so I assume that in the weeks ahead, you will mm, probably see it a little bit more with these two. They're all going to trade wins the next uh, three episodes. Maybe. I'm also getting the sense that one of these two will probably leave Raw after WrestleMania. I think that would be a good move. Yeah, they both spent two years now uh, on Raw, so I think either one could use some freshening up on a SmackDown. Well, God knows the Shield reunion is cursed, so you might as well move Rollins at this point. Then they aired uh, a video that has been widely criticized. It was a big feature on the fabulous Moolah, who challenged the gender norms when she won the women's title. She has now been dubbed the first woman of sports entertainment and paved the way for the superstars of today. Featured comments from the modern-day women and the the sit-down interviews they were conducting with the women over Royal Rumble weekend, and it was all for the announcement of the first-ever Fabulous Moolah Memorial Battle Royal. And uh, I think this is going to be criticized by a lot of people because of many of the stories that have been uh, spoken about regarding Fabulous Moolah. Um, but nonetheless, this is a... Uh, the woman that has been honored in WWE history, and now they're going to have, I presume, both battle royals this year. I certain you'll get the Andre and the Mula battle royals uh, on the show. Yeah, certainly. Yeah. Um, what? What? Can you can you uh, elaborate a little on some of these stories? Well, I I'd, I'd encourage people to go look up. I mean, David Bixenspan wrote a big thing on Mula and May Young. Um, if you go look on on Paste magazine, um, some of the accusations that have been uh, thrown out there by women that worked under Fabulous Moolah, who largely controlled all of these these women wrestlers and licensing them out to various promoters. And a lot of these women have spoken up that they were taken advantage of by promoters uh, more than just in a uh, uh, an independent contractor scenario uh a lot of allegations that mula would turn a blind eye to some of these indiscretions by promoters from others involved and i mean a lot of people have very bad things to say about fabulous mula i mean it's like she's presented as this well i mean on this video i mean she is like the patron saint of the the women's evolution is how she is kind of carved out and her her past is certainly a checkered one from those that had to work underneath her and and the control she had over so many of these different women. So, um, I, I mean, you can go look up what a lot of these people with firsthand accounts have spoken about. Uh, Pat LaProd uh, covers it, too, in, in his book that he put out last year on the history of women's wrestling as well. Um, so there Jeez, you have it. Wow, the Warrior Award and then this, they just... They've got away with their awards. Um, there's definitely... Um, or is, maybe it's just wrestling. Um, I, I don't know of other sports that necessarily um, present awards and kind of lionize people that are so widely criticized, um, as WWE at times chooses to do. Um, hmm. I, I think that they... But, hey, I think that they... Largely believe that people are are not going to cover that element of things, and that there's 
the media that they care about kind of glosses over stuff like that and doesn't really dig into um, any of those things. Right. Next up, we had Mixed Match Challenge promos with Rusev and Lana and then Bobby Roode and Charlotte. I watch these every week, Way, and I listen to your recaps, and I've got to say, as someone that doesn't watch this show, they give me zero reason to doubt my decision every week to not watch the Mixed Match Challenge. I don't know what I missed last week on this show. I have no interest in watching this. Like, there's zero consequence for someone not to watch this. That It just seems like if you're going to go all in on this show, why not you give people a reason if they're not watching this? And I feel they do the bare minimum with these promos. Yeah, I don't think they're all in for this stuff. I think they just want to fulfill whatever contract that they have with Facebook. Um, but, you know, at, at the same time, it really, you can't really put anything that important on Facebook because you're only getting a small percentage, percentage of, of this audience. So, but, but look what they did that first week. They made it a huge thing. Like they do everything. Because it, it was the first one. Well, I mean, we're talking, I mean, what, they look at the, the first week's numbers and that's it? They're done? Maybe the, I, I can't tell you what they think but perhaps they felt the first one was really important to get off the ground just so people are aware of it and then they can make their own choices afterwards whether or not they want to stick around then they aired a big feature on the mixed tag match with Rousey and Angle against Hunter and Stephanie and that was the only kind of involvement here um, of that match I mean after last week's Angle I, I don't think it's a bad decision either keeping Ronda off the show if you don't have a great idea the last thing you want is this woman to just be just feeling like she's acclimated with the roster and you're you're almost tired of her by the time you get to WrestleMania. Like I don't think she needs to be on till maybe the go home show. It's true. She's not gonna wrestle. There really isn't a whole lot of purpose of her being around. Um unless like last last critical. week was the big angle. They did physicality. I don't know how much more you have to do. Like, yeah, you could do the contract signing deal, but I mean, um I, I, I don't think you need to do too much more here. Yeah. Asuka was brought out and interviewed in the ring by Charlie, and she was interrupted by Alexa Bliss and Mickey James. Bliss said that Asuka knows she can't beat Alexa at WrestleMania, and some might call it cowardly, but Alexa feels it's smart strategy when you know that you can't win a certain fight, and she applauds Asuka for choosing the champion on the B-Show. Asuka chose Charlotte, she said, because to be the woman, you've got to beat the woman and wants to face the best champion in WWE. Bliss calls this a language barrier issue, and Asuka brings up that she beat Bliss once, and she'll beat her again right now, but instead Bliss has an opponent for her, and is awaiting someone to come out from the back, but no one does, so then they jump Asuka to no reaction, and Mickey announces she is ready for Asuka, as we go to break and then come back with the match. Mm-hmm. It was a little confusing because we we thought maybe it was uh we the, nobody knew what was going on with the with the Naya stuff, but uh, yeah, that reaction was a little bit flat. So yeah, I thought a lot of this was uh, this particular stuff was flat. Oscar and Mickey had a match, and uh, all credit to Michael Cole, he called this with the same intensity he did for. Uh, Brock Lesnar ending the Undertaker's streak. I mean, Michael Cole was calling this with the idea that it could all come to an end here. Mickey James pins Asuka on the March 12th edition of Raw, four weeks out from WrestleMania. Asuka 
kicks Mickey, but misses on the floor and kicks the post. So she starts selling her leg. The audience was so into this, they started chanting Rusev Day. There was a sunset flip powerbomb by Mickey for a two count. And then the crowd starts chanting CM Punk, which was quickly booed out. And the Mick kick is caught. She applies the Oscar lock and Mickey taps out. Builds up some nice near falls here, but this crowd didn't really care. No. The better stuff was afterwards. We had Nia Jax in her dressing room, and Alexa walks in and asks, where were you? You were supposed to come out to face Asuka. And Nia explains that Angle told her she has a match tonight and she had to get ready. And this was Alexa's plan for Nia to redeem herself after her embarrassing loss last week. And Alexa repeats that Nia let people down, but she's better than that. She's Alexa's best friend, and she says, I love you, Nia. And Nia says, I love you too. And they hugged. And Alexa says, I want you to be in my corner next week when I face Asuka. And Nia agrees. She then took on Joan King, who might have had the greatest reaction to a human being walking down the ramp for a match as they had this close-up on her in the ring. There was a running elbow drop, Samoan drop, and Nia won this match in 47 seconds. Then we cut backstage, and it was announced that Charlie was going to be interviewing Alexa and Mickey. So Alexa and Mickey are in this well-lit dressing room, complete with a boom mic. And Mickey and Alexa start making fun of Nia. Alexa compares Nia to Shrek and says that Nia is just happy carrying her bags and admits that she uses her because Nia is vulnerable. Look at her and look at me. And she's got Nia in the palm of her hand and she's just as dumb as she is big. And then Charlie runs into the room stating that the boom mic has been on this whole time, and everyone just heard what you said. And Naya is in the ring, listening to all of this live. Mm, yeah. Yeah, this was the return of GTV. After 19 years, GTV yeah. is back. Oh. Yeah. Maybe, maybe this is Goldust. Maybe Goldust is finally going to get ownership <laughs> of this segment all these years later. Sure. Yeah, that would. I think I would have preferred that perhaps than. Uh, I just I thought this spelled everything out way too much. I I prefer a bit of subtlety, like on a show where they're trying to take me back uh, back behind the curtain, and you know, Cena's talking about not breaking rules. I thought this was a little too heavy handed. Like we basically had a camera right there, and Alexa just goes into everything. Telling you every feeling she feels about this person and what she even plans to do. Um, and the explanation at the end is that Charlie was busy, so she left. But somehow the camera cut to to the backstage segment and stayed on it for what felt like five minutes. Whatever. In the end, it's wrestling, so who cares? But... I still think that you should be handling stuff like this with a bit more thought and a bit more realism. I thought the writing and, and the, the the giving out of context was just really lazy, really, really all too convenient. And it just kind of took me out of it from making it feel like a really, like a serious real angle. I, I, I didn't mind this at all. I, I thought that it was... I understand the the argument that it was it was very convenient. Um, that's kind of a lot of these angles. Like we know what the match is, and they've kind of just got to rush through stuff to just 
explain everything now. Um, but I thought the fact that there was a time they wouldn't have given any kind of attention to detail about why this is so well lit, why there's a microphone in the shot. And I mean, the idea that these two people are just at their, at their spot awaiting to be interviewed and this thing goes out live. I mean, that's not completely out of the realm of, I mean, that has happened to that that is completely out of the realm of possibility on raw on the Titan Tron. How is that? How is that possible at all? They cut. They cut to the interview, and Charlie wasn't in position. And they stayed on it for three minutes without well, what, without somebody in the back cutting out. Well, why why would they cut away if this was real and these women are just running down Naya? Naya this, was, this is great television. <laughs> All right, sure, okay. If 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 it was some, yeah, sure, okay. I mean, if it, again, maybe I'm I'm too sensitive to it. If it, if you were fine with it, then I'm assuming maybe a lot of people were probably fine with it too. Way I've watched the man survive a compactor. Okay, mm. my level of believability on this show has has gone into negative territory. So this this was Emmy award winning stuff in comparison. I think there are different angles though, different types of angles where you're some some angles. I mean, some angles are sci-fi, some angles are horror, but some angles are tr- supposed to be treated like they're real. And I feel like this was supposed to be one of those angles. Yet the presentation I felt like was very yeah. They and they could have easily I feel like done a better job of it. They love their cell phone videos. If this was just like somebody's cell phone video uh, that was like you know placed in the corner and somebody forgot to turn it off, I don't I don't know. But I just feel like um, there are even if it was like yeah the 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 audio caught everything, but the video wasn't supposed to be there. If it was just like audio that was played out there and presented somehow to Naya. I feel like it would have been a bit more acceptable, even if it was just GTV having a, a hidden security camera out there and somebody playing a prank and putting this up on TV. I feel like I would I would buy that a little bit more as a device. But anyway, maybe maybe this is nitpicking. Naya absorbs all this, charges backstage. Alexa and Mickey run away, and Naya throws a fit backstage. She's in tears. She just throws all the luggage around, screams like a maniac. Like this was a piercing scream. I was I was worried that uh I was worried that Max was gonna wake up during this. It was so loud. It Just was a p- good freak out. Oh my god. It was yeah, too she- much. My ears were ringing. Well, she had a lot of frustrations to get out. They're using this was, this was like a wounded animal. Like I think that that was her direction here. Sure, Pret- yeah. Pretend that you are uh, Mustafa. Mufasa. Mufasa? Mustafa. I yeah, always make that mistake. You're thinking of 205 Live. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, so they're turning Naya Babyface by using her weight issues to add sympathy to the character. And yeah, I think, I think it, it makes sense. Sure. They aired a SmackDown promo. Shane will make a WrestleMania announcement on Tuesday night. So... Your thinking is that it's going to be a three-way. And mine is that why was Shane at Raw Monday night? Because he was convincing his dad, we got to go kill these Canadians. You know those damn Canadians, Vince. Every generation has a few bad apples from that country. And let's go kill them. Hmm. 
I actually, I actually, it, it kind of seems odd now to involve Vince because he seems more attached now to another angle at WrestleMania. He's also 70. He, he was 69 last year and he took a headbutt to in the ring and yeah. took more physicality than anyone on the roster. So that, that to me is not a deterrent for Vince McMahon to have another wrestling match, especially in a tag scenario. Asuka is going to appear on SmackDown Live. They said for the first time ever. Did she never appear on SmackDown during the whole uh, Survivor Series buildup? She might have done that. Yeah, maybe she did that. I'm almost, I'm almost, she must have. Then we go to highlights of the Great War, and it was the raw debut of King Maxwell, I guess Prince Wolfgang, Senor Benjamin. Lord Wolfgang. Oh, is that what you called him? Lord Wolfgang. Okay. Yeah. Um, Senor Benjamin, Rebecca. And Vanguard won. We also got the Lake of Reincarnation identified, and they established the Hardy Compound, and he welcomes Bray Wyatt to the ultimate deletion. Mm, so we're getting all the toys. Yes, and next week as well. Bray Wyatt uh, accepted his challenge. He said it's a bad decision. Do not let the devil in when he's on your doorstep. And he says it would be a shame if something happened to your family. I'm excited. Are I'm you? excited. Well, I'm excited that not only are we getting all all the characters back, but we're getting something that I've always wanted: kidnapper Bray Wyatt, a oh, Bray yes. Wyatt, a Bray Wyatt who threatens to do some seriously messed up shit. Man. Oh man, Wolfgang Wyatt, Wolfgang Wyatt. Wow, I don't know if they're gonna go that far. That is really creepy. But I mean, my le- my my excitement level for this, I I would say um, maybe is that. I would say a six, um, but when you you know if you asked me four months earlier what my excitement level would have been if I were to see a new chapter of the final deletion on WWE TV, I would have definitely told you ten. So you know, obviously it's all still very salvageable, and it seems like maybe this is their way of building something up for the two at WrestleMania. Uh, cool, awesome. I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to it though. I can definitely see these two coming out of this as this. Weird tag team together. I can, sure. I can really see that. And that, to be honest, I don't think that's the worst thing in the world for Bray. And then uh, what's the role at Mania? Well, I, I could see them continuing. I can't see these two having a singles match at WrestleMania. Like, I really don't see this program getting its own singles match at Mania. No, I don't know. Um, I mean, maybe they... I don't know. It, like, there is no easy... Um, role for these guys at WrestleMania. I think you could have some fun with these two, maybe like some some like in between segments without them actually having a match. It just feels like, like I think putting them into the battle royal feels like such a demotion. It is, um, and we'll see how they view them. If they're just extra bodies that they need in the in the battle royal, I mean that could, that could be a position for them. Uh, but anyway, that's next week, the ultimate deletion. Who do you think we see in the Lake of Reincarnation? Um, maybe Husky Harris? They will not go that far, will they? No. I don't know. I don't know what to expect. I don't know what the tone of this is going to be. Are they going to be totally not taking themselves seriously to the level of the presentation on impact? Like what? I, I don't know. I don't know. Has to. I would love to see some references to like, yeah, some more insider things. You know, I assume we'll, we might get something from Jeff. Wouldn't it be great if we saw IRS show up. 
Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I I feel a week from now you're going to be very disappointed and possibly. I don't know. I I'm not I'm not holding my hopes up high, but we will see. We will have to wait and see what they do next week with this. Um it sounds like it's all been shot, so now it is in the role of the the editing department. This ended with confused Kurt Angle having to react to Bray's promo. And then referee Sean entered, and he is sending Sean to go referee this ultimate deletion because it is still under raw jurisdiction, and he needs Sean to ensure that Bray and Matt return in one piece. So they're promoting for next week. Lesnar on the show, maybe. Bliss against Asuka and the ultimate deletion. And that took us to the main event, a tag team battle royal, which... Given the time left and the Braun promo from earlier, I think most assumed they knew where this was going. We had the Revival, Anderson and Gallows, Rhino and Slater, Dallas and Axel, Apollo and Titus, and then the final entrant was Braun Strowman. The bar is on commentary, and Braun yelled to ring the bell, and we had the Revival toss Rhino out early on, which did get a lot of booze, given this was Detroit, and... Dawson, Titus, and Gallows all work together. They get Braun to the floor, and then he's sent into the steps, and then they lift the steps. The Revival nails Braun, and then they send him into the timekeeper's area. Coachman said, well, we never established it had to be a tag team that you were a part of to enter, and Cole just steamrolls him. He says, no, Coach, it was called a tag team battle royal. And then Sheamus cites common sense being involved here. Braun returns from the dead, dumps out Titus, clotheslines Gallows out, and then Coachman confused Bo Dallas for Rhino, and they don't let Coachman get away with anything on this show. There is no mistake they will not pounce on this man for. Axel is then thrown out by Braun, followed by Dallas, and it comes down to Braun and Carl Anderson, who fires up with kicks, and Braun yells he's going to WrestleMania and sends Carl Anderson over the top rope and into Sumo Hall, and Braun wins the match. So it's Braun against the bar. Yeah. 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 That's, uh, I mean, um, it's, uh, it's interesting. I, I think it's, I don't think it's such a bad idea. It kind of does suck for the bar, but maybe not because it's a high profile match because of Braun Strowman. And I don't know if I care to see the bar against any of the other current tag teams. They, they would have been, if it wasn't this idea, they would be in the battle Royal. They were not getting, mm-hmm. um, I mean, maybe you could have done the... I, I don't even think you could have done the multiple team thing because all those guys are earmarked for the Battle Royal. There was no way you can have right. any bodies left if you were going to do a match like that. So I think yeah. this after, this was the option for the and, bar. And after watching WrestleMania 20, I hope we... The fewer <laughs> multi-man matches for the sake of having everybody on the show that we get at WrestleMania, the better. Like, not everybody deserves to be on the main show. Seriously. I'm so glad both of these battle royals exist so that we can just like stuff everybody in there who wants to show off to their families. Hey, mom, I'm on the show. Check it out. But the the, the rest of the show should be served for, for your storytelling and for your big characters. So I, I don't hate this at all. This could still be on the kickoff. Who knows? Oh, this could. Um, maybe. Um, it'll depend. Match. Uh, or Braun finds a partner before WrestleMania. I mean, that option is always open, right? Hmm. Wonder who. Like it would have to be like it would have to be like a James Ellsworth type for it to be fair. 
Um, well, we'll see. So there, that was Raw. Um, what'd you think of this episode overall, Way? Um, I thought it set a number of things in motion. I, I kind of have, uh, I, you know, the Cena thing. I kind of have mixed feelings where uh, I would say a lot of it was necessary to get where they want to go. But I'm not 100% pleased with some of the execution, in particular with uh, the Naya Alexa angle and even a little bit of the Cena angle. But in the end... It, for, I, I can I can forgive a lot because this is this is WrestleMania and they just have to get to this card somehow. All right, um, do we want to do feedback right now? I did want to quickly go through the uh, the New Japan Cup matches from today as well. Sure, why don't you do that first? Okay, so today was the final opening round matches, and these are maybe the ones that kind of were uh, of the opening round matches. Maybe not the most anticipation for. We had Davy Boy Smith Jr. against Toru Yano. And uh, this was a pretty long match by Toru Yano standards. It went almost 13 minutes. Uh, the, the turnbuckle was taken down. So Yano got sent into the exposed buckle. They fought into the crowd for a while. Yano used the referee, Red Shoes, as a shield. So then Smith tossed Red Shoes down and ran Smith into the exposed buckle. Yano then grabbed a chair, but it got kicked into his face. Smith applied a cross face, and Yano battled to the rope, getting the rope break. And... Yano eventually hit a low blow as Red Shoes missed this. He cradled Smith for a near fall for a two count. Smith lifted him, hit the running power slam, and then they go to the floor. Smith runs at Yano as the count is going, and he misses Yano, crotching himself on the guardrail, and is shoved over onto the other side, and Yano gets back into the ring, and Toru Yano wins by countout at 12.52. So Toru Yano is advancing, folks, Mm -hmm. to the second round. Um I can't say this was all that great. This was kind of the the low end of the opening round uh, tournament, and Yano advances. Yeah, maybe there's just something about like his type of comedy, but it just like from what I've seen, it just it rarely hits with me. I don't know if it's just like a Japanese type of humor that it, that is more uh, for that local audience. Sometimes it's. It, I think he's a very talented comedic wrestler. Um, he sometimes breaks up the 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 tone in like the G one yes. that you yes. don't feel he's oh, yeah. a, a hindrance. Like he is there. It's a totally different match, and I think he serves a purpose. And maybe that's probably probably what you're, you're going to get in the next round with a yeah. very weird matchup here. Yeah. So Sonata took on Chucky e. T. This was the main event on Monday, and they go to the floor. And Sonata attempts to put Chucky e. T into the Paradise Lock, which was originally done by Milano Collection, who is now a broadcaster. And Milano is giving him tips on the proper application of the Paradise Lock on and, and demonstrating it for Sonata. Chucky uh, sets up a table on the floor, and then he was in control, applied a figure four, hit a Topicon hero, a running somersault dive over the barricade, which sent Sonata into the chairs. Sonata then blocks a springboard off the barricade, lifting up Taylor and powerbombing him through the table on the floor. Sonata then missed a moonsault off the top. He hit the TKO, landed on his feet from the moonsault, and Sonata gets placed on the top, and Chuck Taylor hits the awful waffle, which I was hoping to hear the Japanese commentary call, but I did not hear them call it by that name. Sonata kicks out of the awful waffle, and then there was a series of near falls by Taylor, Sonata does a backflip into the skull end, releases it, and hits a top rope moonsault, pinning Taylor at 21 minutes, 32 seconds. So Sonata 
the most straight-laced individual in this company, will take on Toriano, and presumably Sonata will be advancing to the semifinals. So we don't uh, know I, that though. Uh, we don't know that. You're right. It, it could be Toriano taking on Okada at Sumo Hall for all we know. Uh, so uh, that is our opening round uh, matches complete. And so what are the matchups that we're going to get? So on, let me just uh, pull up the brackets here. Uh, they are off on Tuesday and then they're going to resume on Wednesday with the one side of the brackets, which will be Michael Elgin against Juice Robinson and Hiroshi Tanahashi against Bad Luck Fale. And then on Thursday, on the 15th, it's going to be Kota Ibushi against Zack Sabre Jr., which looks excellent, and Toriano against Sonata, which I don't know if that's going to be excellent. It could be funny. Like, having a... Ha- like, I think comedy works best, obviously, when you have a straight man to play off of. And, I mean, Sonata is very much a straight man. Sonata winning this match by placing Toriano in the Paradise Lock by and winning by countout is very viable. Sure. And maybe Yano. You're, just, sorry, you're saying you're saying Yano winning. I'm saying no. Sonata puts Yano into the Paradise Lock, and Yano can't get out of it. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's possible. Um, do you do you have an official prediction way? Mm-mm. No, you're not. You're just gonna sit I'm not back. playing this game. All right. Well, it's it's a difficult tournament to call. All right. So that was the New Japan Cup. We will now go on over to the forum, and let's see what the the harshest critics in wrestling had to say about this episode. Oh, you know what? I forgot to put up a poll. Oops. Oh, that's okay. Yeah, so this one goes undetermined. I'm going to guess that they would have voted uh, 5.84. That's exactly what I thought they would, too. Jesse from The Six. So the Undertaker posts workout videos to his wife's Instagram. I didn't need to know that. They are pulling out the big tactics to babyface Roman. They're clever tactics. I just fear it's too late into his career. Strowman going on to win the tag titles alone would be insulting. As Way said after Elimination Chamber, they're giving him too much, and I was never all that enamored with him to begin with. Do you know why the WWE will post pay-per-view clips to YouTube but only show still photos on TV? Is it a contractual thing or some weird internal logic? Um, Good point. I mean, uh, well, stills don't work very well on YouTube. Um, yeah, they could put them on their Instagram. Right. Yeah, I don't know. Actually, that's a really like good it used. Jesse. It used to always be a thing that you couldn't air, um, you couldn't air footage for a certain time period. But I mean, that to me was like the idea that you couldn't like rebroadcast matches or the events in a certain window. Um, Perhaps the idea is that you know, in order to get the experience of seeing this on your television, you have to pay sixty bucks for it. But I mean, to watch it on your computer screen, well. Come on, you can have that for free. I mean, I, I, in reality, though, I think it's like they have to promote themselves on YouTube, and and the only way they can promote themselves on YouTube is with videos that people are likely to share. But on TV, no one's sharing that stuff. So, you know, why show everything when you can get away with stills? All right, my thought. Anyway, well, you're the. I read that one, so you're next. Oh, sorry. We got a big Chauncey who says, I love the idea of Braun taking the tag titles by himself. However, this is the WWE. Do you think they will actually let him do it by himself, or will they find a partner? If they do, I hope it's Big Cass. Do you think we are getting the American Badass Taker since Kid Rock is going in the Hall of Fame? 
Oh, well, we talked about that. Mm-hmm. Um, Possible, but I, I, I mean, people will be happy to see him either way. I, I could see a non-dead man Undertaker coming back after last year. I think that's that's totally possible. I don't know if anybody wants to see that, though. I think when you're promising the Undertaker, you're promising the character of the Undertaker. I, I think you'd have an equal amount of people that would, would shit on that because of last year. Oh, I think people are willing to turn a blind eye, but... Like the motorcycle riding taker, perhaps? Yeah, it's possible. Do you, Will Braun have the tag titles by himself? Um... I, I don't see it. I, I don't see Big Cass being back. I mean, that to me would be someone, uh, a post-Mania return. Um, you know, the only name that, that would come to mind would be like a, a Samoa Joe. But the way this is set up, I, I think it could end up being a handicap match. And I think if they go through with the match, yeah, Braun's winning the titles. That would suck for the entire division. It's a division that they don't, like, it's not really that big a priority for them. I mean, no. it's like, it's it's an undercard title like that's all they treat it as you could argue that braun is braun is a star that is some and and it could build to him having to being forced to find a partner once he wins the titles as weird as that logic is do you think the bar could sneak out a victory no i don't see them beating braun i don't look how protected this guy has been like they have gone to the ends of the earth to protect this guy and they're gonna let Cesaro or Sheamus pin him? Well, I think the match could get DQ'd, and that's how you break it into Braun's next feud. Perhaps. You could do that, and the payoff is some ridiculous stunt that's yeah. worthy of such a big, uh, you know, he destroys like a a tower or something that's part of the set, and it right. lands yeah. on Sheamus. Yeah. I just don't know how they can get out of that situation without killing their entire tag team division by having Braun actually hold both belts. All right, let's go to Sean from Toronto. Is it geeky for me to say that my favorite part about Raw this week was getting to literally look behind the curtain and see the gorilla position on TV for the first time? They've they've shown that before. Yeah, maybe I have to. I have to say that the Rusev Day chant is fast becoming the new CM Punk chant for fans who are bored and want to hijack the show. Not a fan. Finally, I think the whole world collectively shrugged when it was announced that the Ultimate Deletion will be on TV instead of WrestleMania. I mean, when you think about it, I I don't know how much it fits on a WrestleMania broadcast to be cutting away to that. It just seems, I don't know. It seems like it's, it's, it's a television presentation more so than a, like, especially WrestleMania where I don't know how much your audience would necessarily be into it. Uh, watching it on a screen in a stadium. Um, I don't know. We go to Brandon from Oshawa. I agree with Jesse from the six about the undertaker's workout videos being brought up. It kind of kills the mystique of the character. I did enjoy the rest of Cena's promo, however. I can't say that I'd hate the idea of John Cena sitting in the front row of WrestleMania and leading the chants all night. It would be a funny visual. I'm really enjoying the Roman and Brock build and hope they can hold off entirely on anything physical before WrestleMania. I'm predicting Big Show will end up being Strowman's partner for the tag title match, which doesn't make much sense, but I can see them doing it and promoting them as the world's largest tag team. I like this direction more than adding Strowman to the IC title program. Next up. Hey guys, just going to post a few notes. As much as they are attempting to give this Brock Roman match a work shoot feel, I just have a deja vu moment of WrestleMania 20 possibly happening, except Roman will take the role of Goldberg. 
I have mixed feelings on Alexa being fed to Asuka next week, especially if you look at the idea that in the next month you can potentially book Asuka to beat both champions. My guilty pleasure moment of the show was Kurt assigning the referee for the ultimate deletion match with the ref immediately asking if he was getting punished and being inserted into such a shitty feud. That was Rob from Mississauga. Well, uh, I don't think Alexa is just going to be fed to Asuka. I think, I mean, I I think you'll, yeah. All right, we got a Charlie from New York. I had a great time with Raw tonight. After Raw went off the air, I couldn't think of how great it would be as a come full circle moment to have James Ellsworth be Braun Strowman's tag team partner. Braun's first Raw match was with him, and James' entire run came because of that. You can call them Get These Two Hands with a Fighting Chance. Next, we go to MJ. Roman actually felt natural and well-spoken on the mic tonight, and using Vince gives this feud instant heat with any crowd. Vince referring to the octagon was fascinating. Miz cracked this maniacal smile at the end of the segment from the floor. He's in a feud that feels lively with Finn Balor and Seth Rollins. Tonight was the closest Cena ever felt like to The Rock. I love older Cena. He's like LeBron, and he's fun and self-aware. The Bliss stuff was tough tough to watch, mostly because I felt so bad for a person being bullied. Um, Goes on to ask about Ronda, where she was. Well, she was not there. And... Uh, he goes on to ask here about Kota Ibushi's moonsault. How cool is it that Adam Page did one off the Manhattan Center balcony and Ibushi does the same in Japan and they are wrestling at Supercard? How will New Japan handle Ibushi and the G1 Finals? Assuming they let him in, is there a bigger match or spot in Japan than Ibushi hitting another moonsault to Omega in the final? Um, Well, my assumption is that New Japan will have that taken care of so Ibushi can work at Budokan Hall. Much like I expect The Undertaker to be able to hit a tombstone at WrestleMania. We got a Jay from Denver, Colorado. I gotta say I was thoroughly sports entertained tonight. The Roman promo was great and continued to put the heat on Lesnar. I thought the illusion of him breaking story and going to the gorilla position was cool and Shane being there added to it. The Cena promo was great. I don't mind the whole workout video reference. It made me laugh. Those people who are complaining should let The Undertaker post in peace. Terrible. Joe Carter, this edition of Raw sucked. If it wasn't for Alexa Bliss, I would have given this show a zero. One thing that did catch my eye was seeing Shane next to Vince. I don't think that was an accident and might set something up for tomorrow night. Um, well, that was clearly done for a reason. To add realism. I think so. I think at the very least, it was just to be the idea that you're seeing something uh, you shouldn't be. I mean, Shane really has no reason to be there. Noah from Vaughn, I absolutely loved tonight's edition of Raw. The build to Mania is in full gear, and we are in the fast lane to WrestleMania. Cena's promo was full of passion. Same goes for Roman. I'm excited for next week with the Ultimate Deletion, as well as the Alexa Naya feud to really heat up. Heat up. I'm glad they kept Ronda off the show, as I feel in another week of her angle, Steph and Triple H would have been overkill. And the final one is Steve from BC. Tonight's Raw seemed like the car on the road to WrestleMania had some engine trouble and broke down on the side of the road. No Lesnar, no Ronda, no Hunter, no Stephanie, and no Taker. Seriously, there was the star power. Where was the star power we usually see this time of year? Cena's promos started off pretty weak, but as soon as he got serious and made the challenge, the crowd ate it up. I find Braun challenging the bar and most likely winning could lead to some really fun Braun squashes as a solo tag champion, but unfortunately it will come at the expense of an already weak tag division. And when the introduction of House Hardy, I'm slowly getting more faith that they can turn this character around and I'm actually looking forward to next week's ultimate deletion match. But aside from that, this was a very meh edition of Raw, and judging by my low level of excitement 
statement for WrestleMania thus far. That's a big fail on WWE's part. Five out of ten suitcases thrown. All right, so mixed bag from our from our forum way in regards to Raw. Mm. But there we go. We have three more episodes before WrestleMania. Next week, they will be in Dallas with all that we have announced. And Tuesday night, I guess we'll figure out what Shane is doing on SmackDown. And at that point, we've pretty much got all the key matches in place, Way, And then it's just the remaining episodes to see what they do in the meantime. Yep. All right. Well, folks, that is it. We are going to be back on Tuesday night. We will be chatting with you after SmackDown, after the Roderick Strong-Cedric Alexander match, which I hope is not a letdown way. I'm very much looking forward to this match. I think it'll be great. I think it should be really, really good. They're in Indianapolis on Tuesday night, so maybe we will see if the crowd has just that extra amount of energy for 205 Live. I doubt it, but we'll see. So that is all, folks. Uh, You can go to postwrestling.com, postwrestlingcafe.com, and we'll chat with you on Tuesday night.